Hey, thanks for joining us here today at Victory Church, where we invite people to belong before they believe. If you want to know more about who we are and what we do, or if any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us in giving to this ministry, we invite you to do so by visiting our website at victory.church. Now, let's check out this week's message. Morning, Victory Church. How you doing today? I was thinking, you know, with, with daylight savings and, and losing an hour, I was wondering how many people are at the 11 today that are normally at the 9. So uh, a few of you, I saw some hands kind of go up a little bit. So, hey, if we haven't met, my name is Abdiel. I'm one of the pastors here, uh, here at our Oklahoma City campus. And uh, before we jump in, I just want to take a few moments and uh, just give a shout out and honor our lead pastor, Pastor John. Can we thank Pastor John? I know he's been watching online today and want to thank you for the opportunity, uh, as well as Pastor Oscar for allowing me to be, to be up here. Uh, we're continuing in our season of expecting. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 through 9. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. I want to welcome those that are watching online. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, so 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 through 9 is where we will be at for uh, the most part of our time together. In 1 John uh, 1, verse 5, it says this. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light. Everybody say light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. In verse 9, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just. How many of you are thankful that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness? A couple years ago, uh, the, the world really went through this thing that I don't know if you heard about it, but it, it was called COVID. Anybody hear uh, about that? So we went through this thing called COVID, and for most of us, we were stuck at home for more than probably what we are used to. And if you're like me, maybe during that COVID season, you may or may not have made some impulse purchases online, okay? Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, okay, but uh, that was me. We made some impulse purchase purchases online. In fact, one of those impulse purchases that we made was this camera. Because like most millennials throughout that time, we thought that we were going to be hits on YouTube. And we were going to be, you know, YouTubers posting videos on YouTube. And uh, living in Oklahoma, 
through COVID, uh, we didn't experience a lot of some of the other things that some of the other parts of the world did. So life for us started to get back to normal fairly quickly compared to other places. And so before we knew it, our impulse purchase that we thought, man, this is going to be awesome, was collecting dust in the corner of our room in our house, like maybe some of your impulse purchases are doing right now. So the last couple of years, because we have this camera, we've had the opportunity to actually gift some friends and some family uh, with some halfway decent pictures. Okay, we're not photographers, but we have a nice camera. <clears throat> and one of the things that we've learned about taking pictures is that it's all about the lighting, okay? Now, I know some of you with iPhones, you think that you're photographers and, you know, you, and you've got it figured out. Let me tell you, these, these are a whole different ballgame, okay? It's all about the lighting, and if you're a photographer, and I'm not saying that I am a photographer, nor do I desire to be one, but if you're a photographer, you know that it, the lighting is crucial. Are you going to use natural light? Are you going to use artificial light? And there's one setting on the camera as a photographer that you need to really understand and you need to master, and that setting is exposure. Everybody say exposure. And exposure is important because exposure determines how much light or the quality of light that comes into a shot, a picture. And if a picture is overexposed, it's very faded and it's too bright. And if it's underexposed, right, you, you can't see any of the details. You cannot appreciate the beauty of it. But exposure is crucial for the quality of the picture, and I want us to understand this morning that, that, that exposure is actually crucial to the quality of your Christian life. That as God pours out his spirit, as we've seen him do in our world, as we've seen him do even in our church over the last few weeks, as God continues to pour out his reign, we can expect exposure. And we know this because in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, it says, This is the message that we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. I heard a quote this past week uh, on a podcast, if you were wondering how millennial I am. I heard a quote, and this quote, the moment I heard it, it was as if the Lord really impressed it on my heart that this is what we needed to confront today. And that quote is this, that as kids, we are afraid of the dark, but as adults, we become afraid of the light. As kids, we want the nightlight, we want to be in the light, but as adults, we actually have convinced ourselves that we are safer in the dark. We are safer in hiding, but when God sends his reign, we can rest assured his light is soon to follow. And when his light follows, will we allow his light to expose the things in our life that God wants us to expose? So the title of my message this morning is Expect Exposure. Expect Exposure. I want us to pray this morning and ask the Lord to reveal those areas in our life where we have become content with darkness where we have become content with not allowing the light of God to expose those things so that we can experience the fullness of life in him. So would you just close your eyes and if you would, put your hand in your heart and I want you to repeat this prayer after me and some of you may not be ready to receive this prayer. Some of you might say this reluctantly, but I pray that as our time continues together that God would do these very things that we're praying. 
So repeat after me. Say, Lord, open my eyes. Soften my heart. Expose your light to me. That I may see the dark areas where I find myself hiding. Do this in me today, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the word exposure might be a bit tricky for us to really wrap our minds around in our societal context. Because when I say the word exposure, you might think of one, uh, one of two things. When you hear the word exposure, you might think of someone wanting to gain exposure in the sense of gaining fame or gaining notoriety or gaining more followers. They wanna be exposed to more attention. It's why, right, we have shows like The Voice. Any fans of The Voice? Okay, raise your hand. Awesome. Any American Idol fans? Okay. I didn't even know that that was still a thing until the other day, uh, but apparently it is. But that's what these shows are for. They are for people who, who say that they have talent or who have talent. They're for them to, to come and, and, and to utilize their talents to be exposed to potential fame or attention or notoriety, to make a career out of it, right? One of, one of our guilty pleasures that JC and I had, uh, more so uh, before, not so much now, is we used to watch the show The Bachelor, okay? Now, I know, any, no, I'm not going to have you raise your hand. I don't want to expose you, but we used to watch the show The Bachelor, and one of the consistent accusations that they would have, regardless of who the contestant was, is, oh, they're just here for the exposure, right? They're, they're not here for the right reasons. You know, it's, it, it was everyone's, you know, if you don't like them, that's what, you, that's what you say. So you might think of exposure in that sense, that someone wants to gain exposure, but you also might think of it in this lens, and I think that this is where maybe most of us might find ourselves in. When we hear the word exposure, we think of, of, of somebody bringing up some deep, dark secret in our life that we don't want to be found out about, that we don't want people to know, that we don't want to, 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 for this to come out because we don't want to be ashamed or embarrassed or humiliated. Like, we don't want to be found out. We don't want these deep, dark secrets that we've kept hidden for so long to, to come out because we don't want people to think differently of us. We don't want the image that they have of us to be tainted. We don't, want, we don't want this to be messed up. And I think a lot of us fear this idea of exposure because of that. But the truth that I want us to understand this morning is that we are actually created to flourish in exposure. That this is actually how you and I were designed when mankind was first created, we were born into an environment of constant exposure. How do I know this? Well, number one, mankind, when they were created, when God created Adam and he created Eve, Adam and Eve were fully immersed into the existence and the presence of God every single day. We just read in 1 John chapter 1 that God is light. Adam and Eve lived in a daily exposure to the light of God. They, they flourished in this exposure. They, they lavished in it. They were in constant exposure to the light of God with absolutely no darkness. And of course, I mean that spiritually and relationally because we know, as you read in the story of creation, that God created day and night. So there was literal darkness, but that's not what we're saying. They were constantly exposed to the light of God. And we also know that we're created to flourish in exposure because, quite frankly, to put it into more practical, literal terms, they were naked. They were fully exposed. 
with no shame. They, didn't even, they never even thought twice about it. There was no shame in who they were. They were, co- they were totally comfortable in their state of absolute exposure to the light of God. They never even thought twice about it, and they flourished in it. Until the one day that we read about in Genesis chapter 3 where the serpent comes and he feeds them the lie. The lie that was so compelling. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 4 through 5 we read, But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. See, just like everything else that was created good and pure and innocent by God, Satan has a plan to twist it. Satan has a plan to corrupt it. Satan has a plan to pervert it for our destruction and not for our good. It's what he presented to Adam and Eve. And he did such a good job of convincing them that they went from being being totally free and flourishing in their exposure to, 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 to being totally ashamed in their exposure, because Satan's strategy is to convince you that your desire for exposure that you were created in, this innate thing that you were created to, to, to live life openly, his desire and plan for you is that you take that desire and use it to elevate yourself to God's status. That is his, that is his desire for you. In essence, he wants you to be your own God because when you're your own God, you can define what is good and evil for yourself. That the things that I deem are exposable, those are fine. We can put those out on the table. We can throw those out. I don't mind if people know about that. It's really not gonna change much. But the things that I deem as unexposable, that's off the table. No one's gonna find out about that. No way, absolutely. That's gonna stay hidden in the deep, dark place that I've kept it. There's absolutely zero chance that that will come out into the light. This is what Satan's plan is, and this is what shame does. See, shame convinces us that these things are better kept secret lest the image I put out into the world be tainted. Shame keeps us in darkness. Shame keeps us isolated. Shame brings us into hiding. And here is the trap that shame will set in your life. Shame will convince you that you can handle your shame on your own. Shame will try to to convince you that in your own strength, in your own effort, in your own knowledge, and in your own wisdom, that you can handle all of, the, all of the baggage that you have on your own. The Bible says in, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Then the eyes of both were opened. Open to what? It wasn't like they were actually blind. Their eyes were open to shame. Because it says that their eyes were open, and then they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves a covering, or the Bible says loincloths in this translation. It says their eyes were opened. They realized that they were naked. They went from flourishing in their exposure to ashamed in their exposure. And they thought they could handle it on their own. It said that they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves a covering. Have you ever like touched or handled a fig leaf before? If you've, if you've, never, if you've never touched a fig leaf before, 
the one side of the fig leaf, it resembles almost like a, like a sandpaper type of texture. It's very rough. And then the other side has these fine hairs that are, that are actually uh, pretty, pretty stiff. And, and the sap on the fig leaf is actually known to be, to be kind of toxic to your skin. Like if you're overexposed to the sap on the fig leaf, it could actually be very, it could be an irritant to your skin. That's why if you're handling a fig leaf, it's important that you wear gloves. This is what they used to cover up their nakedness. It says their eyes were open and they used fig leaves to cover themselves up. And I, I, I might get a bit graphic here, but I'm just trying to paint a picture, okay? Imagine that you are walking you know, on a daily basis with sandpaper covering the private parts of your body. That's not comfortable. In fact, after a while, not only is it not comfortable, but it can be so damaging to your skin, it could rub your skin so raw that the sap that could be toxic will, will, will create even more pain and torment because of the, sensitive, the sensitivity that has, that has been caused by this texture. So imagine Adam and Eve, at first they would have probably felt fine because their shame was covered on the outside. But in their attempt to cover their own shame, what they did was inflict more pain and torment on themselves because they thought they could handle it on their own. And this is the lie that shame perpetuates. It's amazing how in our fear of being brought into the light, in our fear of God exposing the darkness in our life, in our fear of experiencing the pain of exposure and attempting to handle it on our own, we find ourselves in a greater place of pain and in a greater place of torment than we were in before. It's why some of you have walked in here today and you feel fatigued, you feel weary, you feel heavy, you feel lost, you feel confused, you feel frustrated because you cannot, you cannot figure out why you cannot overcome this sin. You can't figure out why you can't overcome this struggle. You can't figure out why you can't overcome this anxiety. Could it be that you are tired and exhausted today because you've tried to handle it all on your own and it's just produced more pain and torment than you were in before? This is what shame does, because shame minimizes the gravity of our pain until it desires for us to feel the weight of it. Shame will convince you that it's not that big of a deal until it wants you to feel the true gravity, the weight that it brings on your life. See, you thought that you could handle the lust on your own, and now you find yourself in the place of pain, of pornography and infidelity. You thought that you could handle the anger on your own and now you find yourself in the, in the pain of resentment and unforgiveness. You thought that you could handle the drink on your own and now you find yourself in the pain of addiction. You thought that you could handle the regret on your own and now you find yourself in the pain of depression. And maybe you find yourself today so far down in the pit of shame and mental torment and spiritual strife and you find yourself isolated and alone, not knowing what to do with yourself, waiting so desperately to be rescued from the tyranny of guilt and regret. And the safest place that you find yourself in today is in hiding because you don't know what else to do with yourself. 
The shame has become too much for me to bear. There's no way. And the enemy's plan for your life is to isolate you into a place of hiding where the accusatory thoughts come in. God will never use you because of this. God is angry at you because you keep doing this. God is angry at you because you keep thinking like this. God is angry at you because you keep going back to this. God is, God is mad at you because you cannot overcome this on your own. You're, you're, you're used up and no good. You're the only one who's ever done this. No one else can relate to you. No one else is as bad as you. There's nobody that can ever relate to you. You are all alone. This is the messaging that shame sends you day in and day out. Is there any part of you that's hiding today? In Genesis chapter three, verse eight, it says, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves in the presence of the Lord among the trees in the garden. But the Lord called to the man and said to him, where are you? Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and so I hid myself. And God said, who told you you were naked? Who told you you were naked? As God continues to pour out his reign, his desire for us is simple. Come out of hiding. Come out of hiding. But please understand, it will be uncomfortable. It will be hard. It will require courage. It will require absolute trust in the goodness and the love, and the compassion, and the mercy of the Lord. You're going to have to trust him. But it's necessary to continue to steward a move of his spirit. So how do we even begin to do this? In verse 11, God asks them, who told you you were naked? Who told you you were naked? I, I read a book recently called Praying Like Monks and Living Like Fools. And the author suggests that this question was simply an opportunity or an invitation for confession. An opportunity for confession. I want, I want you to think about it for a moment. What would have happened, or at least what do you think would have happened, if in this moment, instead of Adam deflecting blame, because that's what shame does. Shame deflects blame. No, 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 it's not my fault. It's all these other things. What if instead of deflecting the blame, Adam said, Lord, I'm so sorry. I've sinned against you. I wonder how differently the story would have played out if Adam would have just said, Lord, please help me. I know you are rich in compassion and mercy. Please help me. See, walking in the exposure of the Lord that leads to flourishing begins and is sustained through consistent confession. Yeah. And I know this sounds simple. It sounds elementary. For a lot of you, you're thinking, man, I'm past this. Give me some, give me some deeper stuff. And that's probably part of the problem. 
this is what leads to flourishing and it's sustained through consistent confession. What is confession? Confession is simply running back to the arms of the Father. Have you outgrown the need to be in the arms of your Father? This is what it does. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The process of coming out of hiding starts with confessing to God for forgiveness. Uh, I, we know that, Abdiel. Isn't that just like the things that like, the Catholics do? No, 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 please don't miss this. Please don't miss this. This is the essence of what it means to be in the arms of the Father, to come to him. Not, not, not just when we need him to, to give us more money or we need him to do X, Y, or Z for us, but when we need his comfort because we know that we've missed the mark. See, confession requires that I look deep inside of myself into the darkest places that I don't even realize are still there. This is why it's so terrifying. Confession requires that I acknowledge not just wrongdoing, though, though wrongdoing is part of it, but the areas of my life where I have become content with the things that are common rather than pursue the things that are holy. See, the word sin doesn't mean wrongdoing, though it can lead to that or it can be that. In fact, the original word for sin is a word that is used to describe missing the mark. So let me explain this. When we are in Christ, when we are a new creation, when we are children of God, when we are in relationship with God, anything that we do, anything that we say, anything that we think that is outside of our new creation identity, that is missing the mark. Anything that we do outside of our new identity in Christ, which means that if I'm in him, I have a new standard. I have a new way of doing things. And I know, listen, I know because some of you, your heart's even beginning to harden right now because it sounds like legalism and religion. But I promise you, it's not. It's not legalism. It's not religion. In our walk with the Lord, his desire is for our desire should be to pursue holiness in our life which means that we will often miss the mark. So can I just give you a, a, a breath of fresh air? You will miss the mark. You're gonna miss the mark every single day probably when you're short with your spouse, when you yell at your kids, when you cuss out that, co that coworker, when you, when you, you know, like give somebody the, the, the finger on the road, right? Like you're gonna miss the mark. But, 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 but here's the thing. Is that, is that when we miss the mark, here's, here's what we need to understand. His mercy is available for forgiveness. He is rich in mercy and in compassion. It's there. But here's what his grace does. His grace empowers us to continue to live up to our identity. That's the difference between mercy and grace. God is rich in mercy. He's quick to forgive. He's saying, yes, come to me, but, but, but I, don't, I love you too much to leave you there. I'm calling you to a higher place. That's what his grace does. His grace empowers us to live to our new creation identity. He calls us to a higher place. I know that that sounds 
a certain kind of way, but, but, but we think, listen, we think that walking in darkness just means like being in some deep, dark sin. Like being, you know, in some deep, dark addiction where, you know, we're just doing something super evil and like being in darkness, is, that's for the world, you know? That's what, we, that's what we think. But for most of us, walking in darkness looks like just being content with what is common. Being content with what is common. When God calls us to pursue holy. See, because what is common doesn't shake things up. It doesn't cause uncomfortable change. It's common to go to church on Sundays yet still resent my boss and coworkers during the week. It's common to be a Christian yet stay hidden in your addiction. It's common to believe in Jesus, Jesus yet still be a slave to worry and fear. It's common to be cynical. It's common to have hidden pride and arrogance. It's common to just do the things just because that's how your family has always done it. It's common to just do it because just, that's just how your friends always do it. It's common to just come to church and play the church games and lift up your hands and offer up empty praise and then go and do the things that everybody else does, not fully realizing that you are forfeiting the fullness of God in your life because you've become content with the common things. But God is calling each and every single one of us to a higher place. Why? Because he's sending his reign. He is sending his rain. He is pouring it out. And we see this. Where have we become content with being common? And here's what confession does. Confession breaks commonality. This is what it does. It breaks commonality. In James chapter 5, we're going to go there. And this is where we'll camp out for the rest of our time together. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Establish your hearts. If you're wondering what your calling as a believer is today, it's this to establish your heart for the coming of the Lord. Whatever that looks like in your context, whatever that looks like as you lead your family, whatever that looks like as you step into your workplace every single day, whatever that looks like as you step into social media, to establish our hearts for the coming of the Lord. His desire is that our hearts would be fertile ground that's been tilled and plowed like we've talked about the last several weeks. So that as his rain comes, we can actually experience the fruit of it. I don't know about you, but I want to experience the fruit that comes from the rain that God is pouring out. I don't want this to just be a Sunday morning thing for me. I want it to be an everyday thing for me. God, I don't, I don't just want the experience on a Sunday. God, I want your fullness on Monday. I want everything you have for me on Tuesday. God, I want you on Wednesday. God, I need you on Thursday. And when I fall short on Friday, Lord, I'm running back to your arms because that is how I break commonality in my life. We can expect exposure when his light comes. 
He sends his rain. The light comes shortly thereafter, and we can expect exposure. But listen, God is not looking to expose you to embarrass you. That's not who he is. I know that there are people in your life that maybe you've, you've come across that have looked to expose you for that reason, to embarrass you, to humiliate you, to look down on you, to make you look lesser than. That is not who God is. God does not expose you to embarrass you, to bring you to shame or guilt. In fact, we read and continue, as we continue to read in James chapter 5, verse 11, it says, you have heard of the steadfastness of Job and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. What's the Lord's purpose in our exposure? Compassion and mercy. That's it. Compassion and mercy. Compassion and mercy. There's nothing else to it. God just longs for you to know the depth of your compassion and mercy. Could it be that the reason why you are so irritable today is because you have yet to fully realize the depth of his compassion and mercy? Could it be that the reason why you are so short-tempered or so short-sighted or such a negative thinking person, could it be that you have yet to fully experience the depth of his compassion and mercy? Have you ran back to the arms of the Father or have you stayed hidden in that dark place because you're scared of the exposure that the light brings. His purpose is to bring compassion and mercy. Where are you? Who told you you were naked? Where are you? And who told you that you were naked? And this might be a bit hard for some of us to receive because quite frankly, we don't feel like our sin or our missing the mark is really that bad. I know I've been there. Yeah, you know, I lose my temper sometimes, but it's not a big deal. Yeah, my arrogance come across, comes across in my sarcasm every once in a while, but so what? It's not a big deal. Yeah, I snap at my spouse sometimes. Who doesn't? At least I'm not strung up on drugs. At least I'm not an alcoholic. At least you fill in the blank. See, when we play the comparison game, we forfeit what God wants to do in our life. Because what he wants to do in your life is so vastly different than what he wants to do in somebody else's life. But when you run back to the arms of the Father. Everything changes, because it's the common things. See, when we realize that even the small things, as they add up over time, even the small things keep us separated from his fullness. And the small things become so weighty when we realize how much they matter to God. Where are you? Who told you you were naked? Who told you you were naked? It's not about being a better person. It's not about being better all around people. It's not about being religious. Listen, our goal should be to be so closely connected to the Father and his presence that we refuse to entertain anything that keeps me from it. Yeah. 
even if it's the minor things, even if it's the small things, where are you? Who told you you were naked? James 5 verse 16 says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Here's where I think a lot of us are at today. And I promise you, I'm landing the plane. We've come to maybe this altar, or we've come to the Lord maybe in our private place. We've come to him on our own. And we've received forgiveness. And the reason why I know that is because the Bible is clear that God is rich in mercy and compassion and love. And the moment we confess to him, he's quick to forgive. So we receive forgiveness, but we end up cycling back to the addiction somehow. And we're wondering, how, why is this happening? We, we receive forgiveness, but we end up cycling back to the negative thought patterns. We end up cycling back to the cynicism. We end up cycling back to the harshness, to the anger, to the pride, to the arrogance. We cycle back. It's because we've come to God for forgiveness, but we haven't yet truly experience healing from it because the Bible teaches us that in order to experience healing we confess to each other so walking in light is not just coming to God for forgiveness but it's confessing to each other for healing and this is where many of us will get hung up this is where many of us will forfeit the light the marvelous light that God wants to produce in our life because we would rather stay in hiding than risk ridicule. We would rather stay in hiding than risk humiliation. We would rather stay in hiding than risk being, being, being looked as lesser than. But here's the thing. God's design was not just for us to be exposed to him. His design was to be exposed to each other. Not for judgment, for healing. This is good news because Satan wants you to keep it in the dark because the more that it's in the dark, the more power and authority he has over it. But when things are brought into the light, Satan no longer has authority over it. And this is how we go from common to holy. This is how we go from forgiven to healed. When we bring this out into the light, this is why circles are so important. This is why we push this so hard here at Victory. It's not just because we just want you to get together with people just randomly. No, it's because there is healing that is waiting for you. The moment that you step into the light that God has shown in, 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 this, in the community around you. It's important that we find people in our life that is trustworthy. Listen, I'm not saying that you need to go on Facebook and air out all your dirty laundry. To be honest with you, that's not productive. And, it's, and it's, a lot of times it's just inappropriate. But, but if you go to people that you trust in your life, one person, two people, three people, I, I, it doesn't matter. But you go to people that you trust that are trustworthy, that are believers, that are, going to, that are going to call you up to a higher place. See, we need friends in our life that are, going to, that are going to provide permission and not permission to continue to do those things or fall into those things, but permission in the sense of, hey, you are not alone. All those years that you were in hiding, guess what? I went through it too. You're not alone in this. So we need friends that, that give us, that, that bring that permission, but we also need leaders and mentors that bring 
correction. And that's a hard word for us to receive, especially for my generation. But we need it. We need people who say, hey, I'm right there with you. And we need people in our lives that say, hey, I hear you, but let me call you to a higher place. Because it's in the higher place that the Lord wants to do something in your life. He wants to bring you into his light. I mean, even for me, this past week, the Lord began to reveal some things in my heart that he wanted to deal with, some pride and arrogance that I didn't even know was there, but was reflected in, 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 in statements that, that were cynical and, and some remarks that were just inappropriate and and some self-righteousness. And the moment that the Lord began to, to reveal that to me, what I did is I brought it to, my, to a group of friends that were trustworthy. And we were sitting right there at the, at the Empire Slice House table eating a slice of pizza. And I said, guys, the Lord is showing me that I've got some pride that I, that I need help with. I've got some arrogance that I need help with. I've got some self-righteousness thinking that it's what I do and, 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 and my ability and, my, and the things that I, that I can produce that bring, that bring all these things. And the Lord wants to show me, guys, can you help me? And the moment that I brought it out into the light, what happened? Satan no longer had authority over it. This is what God wants to do in your life. Where are you? Who told you? You were naked. Dad, where have you become content with being just a common dad? Mom, where have you become content with being just a common mom? Student, where have you become content with being just a common student? Employee, where have you become content with being just a common employee? Boss, where have you become content with being just a common?
And here's what I want to do. We're going to do a little bit different than we did at 9 o'clock. Like I said, this altar is going to represent you coming out of hiding. And I want to just, if I can just give you just some more encouragement. That doesn't mean that you're in this deep, dark sin. That doesn't mean that you're, you know, though it can mean that. And, and that's not what we're trying to do right now. What we want is we want, we want to experience the fullness of God. And we want to come after the common things that are keeping us from that, the things that, 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 aren't, necessarily, that aren't necessarily even sin. But it's the common things that we've become content with. And so as Pastor Kevin leads us in worship, as you feel led, that's what this altar is gonna represent. You coming out of hiding, and coming to the Father's arm. And you're gonna start wrestling with it. Well, I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't know if this is a big, I don't know if this is worth it. Maybe I can just receive it here in my chair. Don't miss what God wants to do. Don't miss what God wants to do. Listen, he's sending his reign. We know it. He's sending his reign. Let the light that comes do its work in you. So Lord, shine your light, Lord. Some of us don't even know how to answer the questions. Where are we and who told us we were naked? All we know is that there's something that feels like it's missing. Would you reveal to us the things that are keeping us common? Lord, let this be a moment where we commit to refuse to entertain even the common things that keep us from you. Let this be a moment where we refuse to handle shame in our own strength. Holy Spirit, right now in this moment, you see those that are even hesitant right now. Lord, I pray that you'd give them even the strength in this moment just to run to your arms, Lord, as you did, God, the, the, the son in the, in, in the prodigal son parable, where he ran, the father ran to him. Lord, that's a beautiful picture. You've, you've already ran to us. May we run to you. We need you, Lord. So as Pastor Kevin sings, as the Lord is drawing you out of hiding, let you coming up to this altar be a representation of you saying, Lord, I want your light. I want your exposure. Let me, help me to break the commonality in my life. Thank you for joining us here today for this week's message. And here at Victory Church, 
We are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond ourselves, and be transformed. And this can only happen through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this message or any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us by giving into this ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at victory.church give. Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.